0: Hallelujah, Church of Omaha, I am so glad that you are here today. I am so glad to be in the house of the Lord. Um, I want to turn right away, we're going to turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 10, Matthew chapter 16, verses 15 through 16, and Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 12. So we will cover those passages and then we'll pray. But Second uh, Thessalonians chapter two verse ten. While you're turning there, I just want to give my own shout out to um, Bishop and First Lady. It's their, their anniversary, so happy anniversary to them. <laughs> so thankful for them. Second Thessalonians chapter two verse ten. It says, "And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved." Because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And then in Matthew chapter 16, verses 15 and 16, this is Jesus. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 12 says, then beware lest thou forget the Lord which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Lord Jesus, could you speak to us today? God, encourage us. God, help us to grow in you. May we get a love for your word, a love for the truth. May we put it in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. And I uh, grabbed this passage from 2 Thessalonians here, and Paul is writing. Um, and I know that he's admonishing about the coming of the Lord and and how people will be turned away and there will be a, a great, you know, falling away. And, and he ...echoes in there that with all deceivableness of unrighteousness... ...and them that perish because they receive not a love for the truth. Because they receive not a love for the truth. And that's where my title comes from today. But I'm not going to spend a lot of time in 2 Thessalonians... ...but I do want to spend a lot of time on the word and on truth today. In Matthew chapter 16 um, verse 1... ...and I'm going to be looking at verses 1 down through verse 20 but we see an unfolding here of Jesus' interactions both with the Pharisees and Sadducees and with his disciples. And Verse 1, it says, Then the Pharisees and Sadducees came testing him and asked him that he would show them a sign from heaven. A sign from heaven. The Pharisees and Sadducees. These were, I like to think of them as foremost religious groups or leaders of the time you would see that the the Sanhedrin and the priesthood were all involved in being Sadducees we know that the Apostle Paul he was a Pharisee and and they were at varying degrees uh, um, the Sadducees here they were more Hellenistic and they were looking into their common everyday world in the Greek culture and they were beginning to tie together both the Bible with present day culture um, and so these groups, they, had their, they knew the word and they were into the Bible and, and they had an understanding, right? They also had business ventures going on. Jesus had to come into the temple and he had to overturn the money changing tables. And, um, because you would go in there and they were making a, a living off of selling your sacrifice. You know, I think that would make a good t- uh, title right there, selling your sacrifice. But uh, um, they were making a living off of selling... Your sacrifice. And so these Pharisees and Sadducees, it had to be troubling to them when Jesus came along and began to turn the hearts of the people and also to do away with temple business. Twice Jesus went in and overthrew tables and, and twice he went in there and said, you know, this can't be and he, and he was very angry about it all. But they came to him this day and they came tempting him, questioning him, asking him for a sign from heaven. I find it interesting that Jesus responded saying when it is evening you say it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning it will be foul weather today for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky but you cannot discern the signs of the times. Jesus addressed their question the reason i uh, that stands out to me is because these guys had an incorrect motivation but jesus didn't first address their motivation later when he talks to his disciples he says beware of the leaven of the pharisees and the sadducees that's their motivation we have to watch our motivation our motivation needs to be pure when you come to God and, you're, and, and sometimes you're frustrated, sometimes you're, you're, you don't know where you're at. And, and you might in your prayer be like, God, I don't understand this. And, and, and you might find that maybe you were a little bit, quote, challenging to God. But where was your motivation? You know, I've referred to Job lately. But when you look at Job, Job had a lot of questions. Job had a lot of frustrations, I, I see him sometimes standing there with his arm crossed, and he's like, well. <laughs> and, and yet Job would not curse God. He hated his own life, but he saw through all of the pain that God was supreme, and he still stood, and he had kept himself in perspective with God. Yes, God came along and said, do you know this? Do you know that? Like, hey, let's tamp down your ego here a little bit, Job, Um and I feel bad for him, you know, in the middle of all his pain and all his boils, God's given him like a, a lecture here. But um, Job, but these Pharisees and Sadducees, they had no regard. They, they, when they came to Jesus, it was because they wanted to tempt him. And when you have an impure motivation with God, it, you know what you begin to see is you, you have a loss of respect. And you bring God down ...and you lift yourself up. And you gain the spirit of Satan in doing that. You're lifted up in your heart. And who are you to think that you can lecture God? I've, I've been uh, uh, going through some books... ...and looking at some, some, some um, historical things with regards to the Bible... ...and one of the things that actually bothers me in the study of theology is when people remove the fact that this is an inspired word of God. There there is no other book out there that God said, I want that thing prepared and kept and maintained. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. This thing was not twisted previously and untwisted by somebody else. God kept and preserved this word yes he moved on mankind yes he moved on men to write the bible yes he moved on men to preserve the bible yes it's been translated into different languages and 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 then there's been multiple translations you know go go look in the English (laughs) and then you try to figure out which one should I read and um and those things can have a lot of benefit when you begin to look at different translations yes you will find sometimes that that ...translations may be brought over some errors... ...or you'll find documents that that things are different in. But God has kept this word... ...and preserved the message for all generations. And the next thing that you can add to this... ...is when I say try God... ...what I mean is when God says... ...when God says, you know... ...call on me and I will answer you... ...call on him. When God tells you that God so loved the world... ...that he gave his only begotten son... And when he says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, he's saying, I'm going to come and live in you. Go and try that. And you say, well, is God prescriptive? That's not a prescription. That's obedience. And there's a difference because true repentance is saying, God, I'm sorry, And he's saying, boy, if you'll be sorry and you're willing to change, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to help you change. And your life won't be the same. And I simply can't wait to live inside you. Oh, it's so exciting. Oh, I just want to give him a hand clap. God, you're good. And you're holy. And you're righteous. Oh, he's awesome. But they came challenging him, pressing upon him. You know what these these Pharisees and Sadducees had? They had their own view and version of what the Bible should mean. I'm not saying that they actually changed the words in the Bible, but they had their own version of what it should look like. When I realized that the Sadducees had been tying into the Hellenism of the age and the teachings of the time, and and I begin to think about the Greek culture and, and the things that were going on. I thought, how d- any different is it than today? In, in uh, North America, we have capitalism. We have investments. We, when I take my money, I, imbi- I put it into the stock market. Well, I'm taking a risk, right? But I'm also expecting that if I put it out there and I invest it correctly, I should get a return on my investment. Um, we talk about... Uh, um, do what you can do and and that God helps those that help themselves. Has anybody ever heard that phrase? I've heard that too, and I am encouraging you to go out and if you have bills to pay, work a job. I'm encouraging that. I'm encouraging that if you have a problem if somebody has a problem with you, talk to them about it you know um, I'm encouraging you that If I had students in here today, I would say, if you have homework, sit down and try to do it and see what happens to your grade. And so that that God helps them, that helps themselves, that's very fitting for those applications. But that is not in the Bible. We have very many examples of people who took a stand. I can think of Jonathan right now and his armor bearer. And and they said, okay, we're going to do something about this. I talked about Ehud on Wednesday and we're going to do something about this. Yes, that's a prime example of of God helps those that help themselves. But there's also times where people were fed to lions. And an angel didn't come in and stop the lion's mouth. There's times that, that people had, James had his head cut off and no angel came in and delivered him out of prison. And yet God was still with them. And so our gospel and our understanding of the word needs to go beyond what our culture would tell us. Amen. Our culture would have in our head that I worked really hard, so therefore I must totally get back everything I worked for, and it doesn't always happen that way. You know, In our culture, you might think, well, I've spent a lot of sweat and blood in that church. That church owes me a living. (laughs) Now, I know that all of you have given and given and given. And we have had so many volunteers of the month up here. And nobody that I can ever... I've never heard somebody that was thinking, hey, that church owes me. But I want you to understand that the church is not this building. We're in this building together. But we are the body of Jesus Christ. And we were all purchased by His blood... We were purchased by his blood. Um, This made me think of a thought that I want to bring out here in a little bit. But we were purchased by his blood. But these Pharisees and Sadducees, they had commercialism. They had business. They had their popularity. They had their theology. They had their followers. They had their teachings. And no longer do I see that they were looking up every day with, God, how can I serve you as a group? But I see that they're like, here is how we have church. And here is how we do business. And here is our teachings. And this is what we profess. And, and we're going to take these rules and regulations that are maybe put on to a priest. And, and we're going to put it on everyone. And everyone should do this. And everyone should do that. And, and, and their motivation and their driving force wasn't pure. They did not have a love for God. They did not have a love for God. You know, the Apostle Paul, he was a Pharisee, but he had a love for God. He went far astray, but God knew his love for him. And when he stopped him on the road to Damascus and knocked him down, and and he saw that great light, he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord God of glory said, "Uh Uh-huh, you want to know who I am? You really want to know who God is? I am Jesus. Yeah. And everything you're doing is not working out. Oh, that's an exciting passage. He says it is hard for thee to kick against the pricks or against the goads that, the, that, the, uh, uh, that you drive the cattle with. You know, when they'd kick back and they'd just kick against a point and it didn't work out for them. People were being thrown in prison. People were, were having their loved ones ripped away from them. Stephen died stoned to death. And yet God understood that in every case, that person that was living for him had triumphed. They were either living the gospel in prison. The gospel was being spread. People were seeing that you could live for Jesus in spite of suffering. Or he was taking you home. And so he tells Paul, it's not working out for you. Everything you try doesn't shut this down. I'm still here. My message is still being spread hallelujah hallelujah you know and what did you where did you see god at when stephen was being stoned to death you see him standing (laughs) oh I've, i've preached to you we've preached over this pulpit we've encouraged you that i'm still standing but I see right now that Jesus is saying... "No weapon He tells us no weapon formed against you will prosper. No weapon formed against Him will prosper. And when we see Him, He's still standing. Oh, God! God has not been defeated. And He will not be defeated. So we see their motivation was incorrect. But then we do see that Jesus addressed the sign... He directly came to them, and he, and he he instead of saying first off, who, who, "Why are you talking to me?" and kind of like when he rode in the dirt, and he and he said to him, "He was without sin, cast the first stone," and he never really addressed the question with them, and and Jesus did that sometimes, but in this case, he came to them, and he was like, he says, he tells them, you know, "Why are you looking for the sign?" He says, "When it is evening, you say it'll be fair weather, and when." Uh, um, ...for the sky is red and the morning to be foul rather... ...for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky... ...but you cannot discern the signs of the times. And then he comes to them and he says... ...it'll be the sign of Jonah three days, right? Three days and three nights. This tells me when he says... ...you cannot discern the signs of the times... ...that there were other signs. There were all these prophecies... And just because you don't see Jesus coming back today, just because you're like, wait a second, am I in the middle of the tribulation right now? And you don't see something exactly that says right now Jesus is going to split the clouds of glory or yes, I see him right there, that's the Antichrist, You uh, know, doesn't mean that you can't see that it is the time of Noah and that it is the time of Sodom and Gomorrah that you can't see the corruption throughout this world. That the degradation in the sin that we've entered into. Oh, don't be so foolish as to say, as those that said about, uh, um, where are the signs of his coming? We haven't seen anything from the times of the flood. They've, where is he? Don't be so foolish to say, where are the signs? They had the signs. But when you begin to be self-absorbed, and you begin to develop your own theology, you will miss out on what God is trying to show you. Let me take that a step further. This world is going to end. Judgment is going to come. There will be a time when the Holy Spirit will no longer be poured out, but the church will be lifted out of here, and we will descend with Jesus Christ. Yes but we have signs in your life and signs in your family. Parents, do not ignore the signs in your children. Husbands and wives, brothers and sisters, do not ignore the signs in your family when you see trouble brewing, when you see your language changing, when you see your willingness to embrace movies that you had not embraced before. When you start seeing your standards slip... I want you to recognize something troubling is going on in my home. And something has to change. Do not ignore the signs. Why? You can read the stock market. You can say, oh, I need to move my funds out of here. Or what's going on in the government over here? We have so many people who could have told you of what was going to happen in Afghanistan. But they can't figure out for themselves that their marriage is falling apart. Oh God, help me to recognize what's going on in my life and to see, Lord Jesus, the signs, the signs. And so we go on down through the passage. And then Jesus says in verse 13, it says he was come to the region of Caesarea Philippi and he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I am? I, the son of man, am. This comes right on the hills of of Jesus telling them, to watch out for the leaven. You know, I don't know if you know what leaven is. It's that, Dana, he's got this down back there. But it's what that yeast and things you put into your bread to make it rise. And what you'll find is you put a little bit in there and then you let that bread, that dough set, that flour mixed with that water and maybe you put a little sugar in there, some salt. and You let it set and you throw that yeast in there and you come back and you lift that towel and you're like, wow, how big did that dough get? And, you, and the longer you let that set and the more days you have that, let say you slide that in the fridge, pretty soon it'll get to be sour. And some of you even reach in and try sourdough recipes. But, but you can just leave that in the fridge for a week and all of a sudden you're like, wow, um, that, that, there's a sourness here. What has happened? That little bit of yeast that you threw in there has grown and spread and it has taken over that flour and it has changed its identity. And if you start to treat your religion the way that the Pharisees and Sadducees treated it, you will start to, you, you will find yourself to become like them. And you're gonna be like, I mean, we raise coffee out here, right, for the, the quizzers? But I'll be like, what are you doing to my coffee bar? What? Wait a second, you can't start church sooner. We have coffee to sell. Or, or maybe if I started selling donuts after church... ...well, we need to end this service right away. We, we, I've got to have you out here. we got, we got time to manage, right? Um, you'll start to, to replace your priorities. Dinner's on the table. I, have a, I, I set up an appointment at 1 o'clock. The preacher can't preach any longer than 1 o'clock. You'll find yourself at the altar... And and you'll be checking your watch. Why? Well he asked me to come pray but am I really at the altar? And I'm making up maybe some examples that are a little silly but I want you to understand that you've got to keep your priorities right and when you start letting in ideologies that don't match up with the word of God into your life it will begin to change you. So Jesus he then says after that he says whom do men say that I am? I the son of man am and and so they said, some say John the Baptist and some say Elijah and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said unto him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Right there, you can read this book a thousand times, but until God comes down and touches your heart and mind, you will not have a full revelation of everything that you need to know and hear. You won't be able to see him as clearly as you need to, but when he comes down and he puts his spirit on you and he touches your mind, oh, he'll teach you how to live right. He'll teach you how to walk right. He'll teach you exactly what his identity is and who he is in your life. And you'll begin to see Jesus and all his love, glory, and saving power. And you will see him as Jesus Christ, almighty God, who robed himself in flesh. You will not need to be deceived. But it doesn't come just by studying and reading. It also comes by revelation. It also comes by revelation. Ah, but there are thousands of books out there. And there are, are tons of preachers out there preaching this gospel without a revelation. Church, you got to be careful who you, whose books you read and what, what shows you turn in to watch. I, I've talked to you about our capitalism or our modern day consumerism if I flipped over and I wanted to join the other 8,000 people in Joel Osteen's church right now, or, or I think it's, they say, 35,000, or it's even in the millions that are, are watching him online. If, if I decided that I wanted to do that, I would hear a message that would be echoed over and over into me, and it's that it's, it falls in line with the God helps those that help themselves. It would be a message of, you just need to believe and yes, I preach faith. But he'll tell you that if you have this positive thinking... ...and, and if you just begin to believe every day... And, and, ...and you'll become what you speak... ...and you'll think, well, that fits with you are what you eat, right? If I, all I eat is donuts, I'll become a donut, right? If all I watch is cartoons, I'll become dumb in the brain. Well, that fits with what I know, right? That fits with my logic. Uh, and, and so you'll start to get into your mind... That, hey, if I just speak this, and we say, well, that should fit with the Bible. There's life and power, and there's life and death and the power of the tongue. That, that should work. So if I'm just going to, if I speak it, now that's going to happen. And, and, and then you'll tie that back to, well, I believed on Jesus Christ. I repented of my sins, and, and he filled me with his spirit. So now I need him to move in my family because I tie into God shall provide all my need, right? And so, so these things start to match up. And so you get a Joel Olstein that comes out and he says, so you want to be a doctor. All right, Jeremy, you want to you be a doctor now, right? So you just need to speak it every day. And when you go to school, speak it. And, and you speak it. You want your marriage restored. All right, you need to speak that. And, and he'll tell you that if you are so full of your, your certainty that God's going to do it, that he's going to look down and he's going to say, well, I just have to do it. And that feels good. And you hear it. And I'll tell you, yes, that when you begin to pray and believe in God, that God sees that. And, and when you're praying where you need to be praying at, that, that you'll see God move and you'll, He'll answer you. But not every time are you going to become a doctor. And not every time do you see that marriage put back together. Not every time do you you see the the, the visions and dreams come and show you exactly how everything would be. Not every time do you get a million dollars in your pocketbook. Because God is still God and you're not. And I would ask you, what is your motivation? Were you asking and believing for the million dollars so you could be rich? Please God, don't give it to me then. Were you asking to become the doctor so that you could be like, I'm a doctor? You know, what, what is your motivation? Or are you striving to have a great relationship with Jesus Christ? And are you looking for his purpose? And, and, and what is his goal and what is his desire in this world? And saying, Jesus, I just want to team up with you. We, we talk, you talked about Daniel. In, in, in MIT today, I believe. Um, you talked about Daniel, and Daniel sought God. But why was he seeking God? Because he had a nation of people that had sinned. And they had been wicked. And there was a word that was given out. And Daniel wasn't buying into some high fluting religion that says, well, if I just tell God over and over, help me understand that He's surely going to come down. No, he got into intercession, fighting for the people of Israel, saying, i got to repent. We've sinned. What does this mean, God? What can we do? His motivation was different. Oh, but our Olsteins... They'll leave you thinking, if I just am positive and believe it, it's got to happen. You know, we had a while back the prayer of Jabez. The prayer of Jabez is very biblical. I think I counted, as it 23 words or something? It's one verse in the Bible. And Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, Oh, that thou will bless me indeed and enlarge my territory and your hand would be with me. And you would keep me from evil that I would not cause pain. So God granted him the request. God heard his prayer, and God answered. Just like God has heard my prayers, and he's answered. Just like God has heard your prayers, and he's answered. And I've asked God to bless my home, and I've asked God to bless my children, and he has. And I've, I've reached my hand into his and trusted him. But you know what I need to do? Even when the bills have a struggle or things don't go the way I expected, my hand's in his because I love him and because I serve him. And I may not understand why that didn't turn out. But God's not based on the results of what I see in this earthly situation. It's based on that I trust Him no matter what. There was 8 million copies, probably more than that now, but what I looked at for data, of the prayer Jabez. And then they proceeded to sell journals and pamphlets and books from adults down to Babies. The company expanded and became so large that when people kind of got exhausted by the prayer of Jabez, they had to retract their business in. The consumerism idea, when you combine the Bible with the North America capitalistic consumer idea of life, you get something that doesn't fully represent God. Whom do men say that I am? Or who do you say that I am? Are you everything that you need? Or am I everything to you that you need me to be? Not just what you want me to be. And, and is God saying to you, is he saying then to me, are you with me no matter what? Are you going to trust me even when things don't look right? right? What is our relationship? You know, I would rather have the God that doesn't always answer me when I think that he should. And the God that doesn't always heal me when I'm sick. Than the God that I think, as long as I tell him and believe it with great certainty, therefore I must be healed. Do you know why? You know why I would like to have that God that doesn't always take care of my prayers the way I want him to? Is because when I'm on my deathbed, I know he's there. But the person that believes in the old steam philosophies leaves you doubting in yourself and all alone by yourself. Because you must not have told God enough times. You must not have believed with certainty he could do it. And so if, God, if I'm dying of cancer, it must be because it's me and not him. So I urge you today, direct, um, reject the philosophies of this world. Reach into those in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. See their walk. And see that they did not walk out on God When they went through trial and tribulation. See those that were fed to the lions. And would not recant their belief in God. See those that were thrown into oil. And set on fire. And yet they took a stand for Jesus Christ. No matter what. No matter what. So. I want to ask you today. What can we do? What can we do? If we're going to know this book. ...inside and out, if we're going to follow it... ...if we're going to stay true to it... ...if we're not going to give in to the the ways of this world... ...what can we do? I just have a couple things I want to mention... ...in the last minutes today. But in Deuteronomy, we started out there... ...and Moses was talking in Deuteronomy chapter 6... ...to the people. And he says, now these are the commandments... ...and the statutes which the Lord our God... ...commanded to teach that you might do them in the land you know one great way to keep the word of god is just to do it thou shalt not lie don't lie you know what it just don't sin all right hey you think well that makes that sound easy well you know in part it is easy because when you're like wow How many of you think your kids, when you go into the grocery store and you're at the register, should just take the pack of gum? You are like, don't do it. You know, don't hit your brother. But he's mean. Don't do it. That's what we mean by don't sin. I know sometimes we have certain addictions and things and things that we've gotten into us and and they're pulling on us. We have ways that will work with you biblically and, and, and take you down paths and, and, and walk you through them. Because God wants you to overcome. But you don't need to kick your brother. And you don't need to steal the gum. Just do his commandments. But in Moses saying that in verse 4, he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord um, I'm going to cover that in a second. Verse 7, he says, And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and thou shalt talk of them when thou settest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and upon the frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the doorposts of thy house, and on thy gates. It was an every day, every morning, every night, throughout the day relationship with the word of God. And so if you are going to get this word in you and not be twisted up and led astray but understand who Jesus Christ really is in your life and not just that he is almighty God but who he is in every facet you need to go ahead and have the word in you every day think of it when you wake up study it take time to read it quote some verses to yourself Remind yourself at the end of the day. Because when trouble comes, you're going to be able to say, I know in whom I have believed. So study it. Read it. Pray it. Practice it. Do it daily. And to your children, teach it daily. Let it be in the middle of all of your life. Let it be everywhere in your lying down, and your rising up. Let it be there. Why? Because God has saved us and he's brought us out. He warned us in verse 12. He says, then beware lest thou forget the Lord which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt in the house of bondage. That thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve him and swear by his name. You shall not go after other gods. Oh, don't forget the God that saved you when the blessings are flowing, the job is great, you have the big house. And you know what? Sometimes we get our our mind twisted around and we're like, wow, man, it's really inconvenient to live for God. We want to have a good time. We could have the best of parties. Look at the friends we could have. Look what we could have. You know what happens when we forget God? God. We forget, verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. We forget our first love. We lose our love for the truth. In church, beware. See the signs in your life. See what's going on. See the things that are coming against you. And then I'm urging you, don't let your, the, the Bible be conflated and be twisted around and, and be joined together with, with how North America or any part of this world thinks that the Bible should be. Instead, get into it. Say, God, I love you. And I'm asking you to open my understanding. Go ahead and get into a Bible study. Instead of saying, well, that's not my personal belief. Or I don't buy that. Or, or I disagree with you. Instead say, Lord, I don't understand this. This part of the Bible is challenging me a little bit. Help me to understand. Come see me. Come see Bishop. There's, um, come, come see Brother Jeremy. Come see, see um, Brother Trevor. Go, go see Danny. Go see us. Go see Sister Powell. Go see my wife. Go see Chiara. Go. There's numerous people throughout this sanctuary. Come find somebody. Get with us. God gave us here, not because we're something special, but because he loves you. And he says, I put people in your life that are going to teach you and preach to you and help you grow. And I've given you my word. Oh, church I don't want you to be sitting there on your deathbed thinking did God leave me because the answer is no he didn't he's more present than ever and he's excited because he's bringing you home but if you get twisted up in man's theology you'll be like a Pharisee or Sadducee that had every word here but it won't be living in your life It'll be all twisted around and you'll find yourself with, with earthly motivations and you'll think that the Bible needs to, to promote you instead of you promoting God. You'll get all twisted around and then you'll begin to doubt. And you'll settle for ideas and theologies and, and, and things out there. You'll settle for them. You'll begin to question God and question His Word instead of understanding That all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And everything he put in here. It's something for me that I can delve into. And I can learn from and I can grow. Could we stand to our feet? I just want to close out. And I just want to take a moment to let Jesus know that I love him. And that I love his word. And I want to rewrite in my mind where he's at. And I want to recommit to his word and to following Him because I love Him. Lord Jesus, I love You. Lord God, You are holy and You are righteous. And today, on this Sunday, the first Sunday in October, we're just recommitting to You that You are our God. You are our King. And I love Your Word. And I'm going to study it every day. God, I'm going to take time to hide it in my heart. And Lord, I want you to teach me. I want to have a clear vision. I want to wipe the things from my mind that's twisted it all up. And, Lord, I want to trust you in the good times and in the bad times. Oh, God, I want to trust you when I think I understand you. And I want to trust you when I don't. Because I know in whom I have believed. And I'm not going to give over, oh, God, to any ideology of this world or any theology. But you are my hope. And you are the one that I first fell in love with. And, God, you found me. And you loved me. And I want you just to know today, God, that I love you love you hallelujah give him a hand clap he's a holy god he's a great god hallelujah 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 god bless you hide the word in your heart study it love him and make him the foremost part of your day and watch how your understanding of god will grow and change we will see you back here in 10 minutes god bless you